welcome to the Medical Republic podcast. I'm Felicity Nelson. So almost every time I speak to GPs about the stresses and strains of practicing during a pandemic, they kind of downplay the difficulties and adopt a pretty stoic attitude. It's something I've come to expect from GPs. They usually make it all about the patient and they don't usually want to talk in depth about their own emotional experiences. Um, But with a massive drop in patient foot traffic, compulsory bulk billing of telehealth appointments, and GPs being forced into JobKeeper, the financial and psychological strain of COVID has been growing quite a lot. Uh, And GPs have had to rapidly upskill in telehealth, not to mention having to worry about the next patient who comes to the door potentially having COVID-19 and not wearing a mask and spreading it to patients and GPs. Here at the Medical Republic, we've heard from psychologists who work with GPs who say that a lot more new patients are coming through the doors. So these are doctors who are seeking mental health services. And a lot of them are experiencing a deterioration in their mental health. So today we've invited Dr. Danielle McMullen, a GP and the president of AMA New South Wales, and Dr. Catherine Hutt, a GP and the medical director at the Doctors Health Advisory Service in New South Wales on the show, to talk through their personal experiences during COVID and to provide some advice for GPs who are having a pretty hard time right now. Dr. McMullen and Dr. Hutt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Felicity. Thank you, Felicity. So I'd love to ask you both about, uh, firstly, a bit about your background and your organisations and what you've been doing during COVID-19 to help with doctors' mental health. So I'll lead off. Um, So I'm Danielle McMahon. I'm a GP uh, in the inner west of Sydney uh, and also, as you heard, the president of AMA New South Wales. Our organisation is the professional association for all doctors across Australia, uh, but obviously as the New South Wales branch, our focus is on our doctor members here in New South Wales. And certainly we've been fielding lots of calls across specialties from doctors really having a tough time through COVID-19 and our workforce support uh, team in particular has been working really hard to both develop resources to help private practice um, and hospital doctors, but private practice know how to manage the logistics of COVID-19 and patient flow and infection control and um, job seeker and job keeper and the the ins and outs of how to run a business uh, during COVID-19, as well as providing some of that professional support, uh, either directly by talking to one of our staff or by linking in with services like Doctors Health Advisory Service. And I'm Catherine. I've recently started with Doctors Health Advisory Service. I'm a GP on the Northern Beaches in Sydney, um, but certainly have recognised the huge need at the moment. Um, As I think you've outlined beautifully, Felicity, a lot of the stresses um, that have increased uh, this year um, on the top of, you know, previous stressors already with bushfires and droughts across a lot of the country. Um, So I've joined with Doctors Health Advisory Service to really try and be there um, for for my colleagues, as we are, um, it's an organisation where we recognise the importance of being able to provide support and advice um, from a doctor to a doctor or a medical student, someone that really can understand firsthand some of what it's like uh, to work in our profession, particularly at the moment. So that um, Doctors Health Advisory Service is there as a telephone support for any doctor or medical student who would like to reach out. Um, and we would encourage everyone to do so, but also for um, doctors that would like to learn some more skills around caring for colleagues at this time, because we are all part of the same team and we all recognise the need to be there for each other right now. Absolutely. And Dr. Hutt, what have you seen um, at the 
doctor's health advisory service in New South Wales during COVID, has there been some kind of change or uh, an increase in the number of doctors um, reaching out for help? I think people, I mean, there has been an increase in people reaching out for help, but probably not enough. I think certainly um, people are struggling along, I think, on their own and are trying to look after everybody else rather than perhaps um, turning the focus on themselves. And as this goes on and on and on, uh, we realise more and more how important it is to um, make sure that we all stay healthy ourselves because this is now certainly a marathon. Um, we all got stuck in very early. I think in that lockdown when everyone else was cleaning out their linen cupboards and baking, uh, we were all working, 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 and that hasn't stopped. And so now with the kind of unrelenting um, pressure and also the uncertainty about you know when will my children not be able to go to school and I'll suddenly have to look after them or you know how will I help my elderly parents with their increasing anxiety um, that more and more we really do need to check in ourselves and although I would like to say there'd been a, a huge increase in uh, doctors reaching out for support uh, Unfortunately, I don't know that that's been the case. Perhaps people don't know where to go or there are so many services out there that it becomes quite confusing. But we would certainly like to hear from many more of our colleagues um, just to make sure they're okay or perhaps just make sure that they feel comfortable checking in with their own GP um, because that's what we all need to do right now to keep each other healthy to get us through this. And Dr McMullen, what have you seen at the AMA uh, in New South Wales in terms of... Um, GPs perhaps having more difficulty uh, during this time of COVID and, and needing more support in terms of mental health. Has there been any anecdotes or anything you've heard that's that's come to your attention? Yeah, look, I think a lot of the things that uh, Catherine said we've seen as well. Um, doctors really were hard hit in the early phase of the pandemic in particular and then didn't get a break. I think, as Catherine said, a lot of us felt like the rest of the world got to go on pause a little bit, um, but we were obviously still at work, but in many places unsure whether any patients were going to walk in the door. There was a lot of uh, decreased foot traffic, which was stressful. And then even when people started to come back, um, the either compulsion to have to bulk bill certain visits and also a lot of people have chosen to bulk bill more visits. We've recognised that there's a whole lot of financial strain in the community um, and GPs being the types that we are often will put others before ourselves or even necessarily the business and have been putting, um, have been bulk billing more consults, which has made uh, life financially difficult for a number of doctors. Um, and that obviously has some impacts on mental health um, and doctors have also worn this stress and anxiety in a different way to the way we normally practice medicine. We're used to seeing patients who are having really difficult times in their life and walking with our patients through that. But this year has been a really unique experience in sharing that stress and anxiety with our patients. So first the bushfires and then with COVID-19, those were very much shared difficult situations. So it's hard to walk away from it. You couldn't just pack up your clinic room at the end of the day, wind down and, and switch off from work because the, the same stress and anxiety has extended into your own personal life. Um, so we have heard stories of that from our members. 
um, along with the financial strain and obviously all the uncertainty around infection control and PPE and trying to keep both ourselves and our families um, and our patients safe uh, from this invisible threat. And it seems to me like one of the things that um, might affect GPs that doesn't always affect the general community is this sense of stoicism and that you have to be a bit of a superhero and rise above and, you know, always be emotionally available and uh, not necessarily be the person in line for help yourself. Um, and I see that all the time when I talk to GPs um, who've been in crisis situations and are just sort of brushing it off. Um uh, so, Dr. Hunt, is there something that um, you see that might be a barrier to GPs accessing mental health care and, and how can GPs overcome those barriers? I think you're very right, Felicity. That whole image of the doctor as being the helper and the one that's above all this and is somehow going to manage like some kind of superhuman is really unhelpful. And, you know, it, it almost feels, you know, from doctors I've spoken to, they feel a little ashamed um, almost if they have to seek help, almost like they've somehow failed. And that is really unfortunate because it's, it's not that way at all. And, you know, certainly every member of the community realises that it's okay to reach out to a GP. You know, we see it all day, people that are, are um, you know, suffering under the impact of COVID and their general health and things going on in their lives feel quite free to pop in and see their GP and, and receive some support. Whereas our doctor colleagues feel like they have to have really, you know, um, made a diagnosis for themselves or, you know, somehow need extra permission to be able to pop in for that checkup, which is a real shame because, you know, if, if I could you know, send one message out to my colleagues. It's please um, go and see a GP and, and see them early because that's what we're here for. And and the GPs out there will know that. We see people all day that just pop in for a checkup and, and find that really helpful to have someone else on the team to help them through the, this difficult time. Whereas for the doctors, they feel like somehow that's not uh, appropriate for them to do that, that they need to be, you know, extremely sick before they can um, access any support at all. And I think that's really unfortunate because um, I think if we can start early being there for each other and helping each other out, um, hopefully it won't get to the point where people really are um, very unwell as a result of, um, you know, understandable levels of, um, of stress and, and workplace pressure and all those other things that are going on. So I think getting in early and talking to someone is really key. That's so true that doctor patients and I think GP patients, I must say, are probably the worst is a cruel thing to say, but at coming in just for an easy checkup, uh, I think we fall into that trap and I must admit that I'm fall foul of this sometimes too, of just not going to the GP because you think you've already figured out the answer for yourself. Um, so I suppose if we had one message, it's that GPs should have a GP. Um, and if you don't have one, AMA New South Wales does have a list of GPs on our website that are happy to care for colleagues. Um, and we're obviously always looking for more GPs to go onto that list. So there's also a link there for people to be able to add their name to the list. Um, and as Catherine had said before, there's a there's training available through the Doctors for Doctors website and DHAS that can provide just a bit of extra support if you want to look after your colleagues but you're not quite sure how I suppose my first piece of advice is it's much like looking like after all of your other patients um, <laughs> there is some other training available uh, to really make it easier for doctors to have a doctor. 
yes, there are some excellent modules with videos on that Doctors for Doctors website that are really helpful um, around caring for colleagues. And I think we should share with everybody the secret code, Danielle, which is <laughs> you don't need to come in with a diagnosis. You don't have to have anything wrong with you, but you just come in and say, I'm just here for a checkup. And that's fine. And that's what every other member of the general public does. I'm just here for a checkup, Doc. And if any doctors out there could come in and say that, that's that's great. You're in the door and you can then sit down and talk about what's going on in your life. You don't need to have made the diagnosis or decide that you're terminally ill to pop in and see your GP. And I think that's a really important message that perhaps doctors might have either never known or forgotten. Um, but certainly all our other patients do. So let's um, let's join with them and make sure we have regular checkups. And do either of you um, see doctors as patients? All the time. But not enough. Yes, we do, but perhaps not enough. And where are the junior doctors? Probably busy working, but I'd love to see more junior doctors. And where are the medical students? Um, Yes, we do. Sorry, Danielle, I've cut you off here because, yes, we do, but really I think there should be more. And that's true. I must admit I work around the corner from a tertiary hospital, so I've got quite a few sort of med student and doctor in training patients but GPs are an absent cohort in my cluster but uh yeah we definitely agree with Catherine that it's an enjoyable part of work it's such an honor to be able to look after a colleague and to work with a colleague through their health issues and their general screening and just being a GP for a colleague is great um and so I'd encourage others who don't see many doctor patients to try and see more and if you don't have a GP go get one and have there been any initiatives during COVID-19 uh, for doctors' mental health? I think I've come across a few of them, but I'm just wondering if there's any in New South Wales, um, things that doctors might not be aware of uh, that have been set up recently. There are lots of resources around, and that's perhaps one of the issues is there are so many things happening that it's sometimes it's hard to make sense of all the noise and find something that's suitable. Um, certainly if people ring individually somewhere like Doctors' Health Advisory Service, we can try and find them something that's suitable for them in their particular situation. But there are, for example, the um, 24-hour, um, seven-day-a-week telehealth line on Doctors for Doctors will provide... Um, psychological support um, specific to to doctors. Um, Many of the colleges are running um, similar programs, a lot of um, telehealth-based mental health support available and some peer support. But sometimes it's a question of um, just making a phone call or getting in contact so we can try and um, some, an organisation like Doctors Health Advisory Service, for example, can try and put people in touch with something um, appropriate for them. Again, um, your GP would know what's available in your area and who is around that's got um, particular expertise or um, uh, experience in um, helping doctors, support doctors. Uh, but there are, there are several programs um, and I think it's a question of finding the right one. The other thing is often doctors are reluctant to seek help. They don't want to um, make themselves known as having any kind of weakness. They're scared. They're scared of regulators. They don't want to put their hand up and admit that they're struggling, which is really sad um, because it's not a failure. It's human. Um, But there are services that you don't need to necessarily identify yourself. Certainly you can call Doctors Health Advisory Service on an anonymous basis. Um, Certainly a lot of those apps or websites are available without necessarily putting your hand up and identifying yourself initially. So although I find it 
very sad that people feel they have to suffer in secret and in silence. Um, it shouldn't be a barrier because certainly people can access care on an anonymous basis. It's worth reminding, I think, stressing that point that the bar for reporting to a regulator is very high. Um, there's a lot of fear out there amongst doctors that they can't talk about mental health issues um, or drinking too much of an evening or things like that because they'll be immediately reported and stripped of their licence to practice, and that's just not the case. Um, doctors should feel reassured that if they're feeling stressed, burnt out, or they have anxiety or depression or a multitude of other problems, that they can seek care safely and receive appropriate care and that really your practice is only impacted in the very tiniest proportion of cases where there's a significant risk of harm to patients. Um, and so that's, that is not the majority of doctors seeking help at all. So we would really want to stress that that fear around being reported um, is very largely unfounded. Yeah, that's a really good point to make. Um, and to wrap this up, I thought it'd be really good if you could both share um, maybe a personal story about how COVID-19 has affected you and, and what, you know, small or big things have managed to help you get through um, with what seems like cheerful spirits. Um, so, Dr. McMullen, is there anything that comes to mind as, you know, what COVID-19 has been like as, as you as a practising GP and, and how you've managed to stay upbeat? Uh, I think it's being surrounded by colleagues. I think we're lucky as GPs that as much as we work quite individually, a lot of the time we do tend to have a bit of a, a group around to get through. Um, I must admit we're sad to not be going out for our weekly practice lunch catch-ups because that's been a real loss. Um, but we found ways to keep talking together either on WhatsApp type groups or just um, seeing each other at work taking some time uh, to sit out in the sunshine if it's a nice day and it feels like there's never enough time to do things that are nice for yourself uh, but the simple things that I've been telling patients to do like get some regular sleep and eat regularly and try and get a bit of exercise and do something fun every week um, is is really what I've put tried to put into place um, along with the bizarre that I know Catherine and I've both done is switch to wearing scrubs at work which initially was an infection control sort of anxiety idea and now is just to eliminate one decision in the day um, to <laughs> not have to decide what to wear in the morning is remarkably liberating that is so <laughs> true Danielle I'm tempted to wear them on the weekends I tell you it's actually it is very liberating any decision that you can cut down at the moment I think is really helpful and for me, it's just having small things to look forward to, but regular, regular happy things in the day. So I now really notice the difference in the days when I can't manage to do my morning walk with my music. You know, for me, it's half an hour every morning on a walk. There's one particular hill that is a downhill slope and I run down that as fast as I can. And it probably from the outside looks more like a waddle, but um, from the inside, <laughs> it's as close to flying as I'm going to make. So I'm no athlete, uh, but just that simple thing every morning that I know is going to be enjoyable listening to some good music 
music, um, going for that walk just sets me up for the day. And it's little things. I'm not personally very good at mindfulness meditation. I, I, I get frustrated and d- distracted. So I've been knitting a blanket as my inner nana has come out and I've been, and every day I know I'm just going to add another stripe and it's, it's repetitive, it's calming, it's lovely. And I look forward to that. So they're just simple, small things that have actually, um, I've put into my day on a regular basis and they've, they've in a funny way, they've actually really helped. Mm. And sometimes you just need to have a GP to, to say, oh, why not just try, you know, something simple and easy to achieve that might might lift your mood. Um, you know, it's not, it's not the solution to everything, but it, it, sometimes it can, can actually make a real difference. So thank you for sharing those little stories. It makes me think of all the things that I've been trying to do, like knitting and running and <laughs> having those little moments so that, you know, you don't lose your mind when you're so stressed. And you don't um, need to succeed at any of them. I suppose. <laughs> well, that's point. right. My knitting and my running are in no way <laughs> the no scarf way does level. not need to be straight <laughs> at the end of it the purpose is to knit, to knit not to make for the I think doctors in particular tend to be a bit type a and if we can't succeed massively at something it may not be worth trying um but yeah just having a go at something new I, I bought a piano in COVID and taught, told myself I was going to learn to play piano I can now bang out about three or four chords and that's it but hey it's a it's, it's a start that's a massive achievement well thank you so much for your time today thanks for coming on the show and and sharing your stories and ideas um it's it's been fantastic to hear your experiences and and it makes it sound a little bit easier to make that first step to go see a gp and, and just check in definitely thanks for having us lovely thank you felicity You've been listening to The Medical Republic, a podcast for curious GPs. You can hear more from us by subscribing on iTunes or Spotify or any other podcatcher of your choice. Thanks for listening. 